Welcome to episode 8 of Notes from the North. Today we had a guest, Sean Borman, who is an editor and writer over at Vikings Territory. So we'll throw it over to the interview now. Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. All right, well, we'd like to welcome Sean to uh, Notes from the North. Sean, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself and, and what your background is in football uh, and then writing about the Vikings. Sure, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm originally from Prior Lake, Minnesota. It's a small town about 30 minutes south of Minneapolis. Uh, grew up playing tackle football, uh, played throughout high school, uh, mainly running back, cornerback. I loved playing defense, loved hitting guys. It's my favorite part about football. Um, I got my start. Well, I went to college. I should probably start there. Um, studied sport management in Mankato. So I went to Minnesota State Mankato. Uh, same college as Adam Thielen. And there I studied sport management as well as economics, um, which is kind of where I got my interest uh, in the salary cap. Not that I went to law school or anything, but um, that aspect really kind of just gained, garnered my interest back in back in college. So I kind of fit in with the economics minor. Uh, but I started writing for Vikings Territory a couple years after college, uh, 2017. Um, I've had some really fun experiences with Vikings Territory, uh, including being a credentialed member of training camp in 2018, uh, which was one of the cooler experiences that I've had, especially you know in the writing industry and the football industry uh, for that matter. I got to attend a Kyle Rudolph um, camp as well for kids, which was a blast. I loved covering that. And Kyle Rudolph's actually a great interview. Um, very sincere, honest guy. So that was pretty cool to see him up and up and close in person. Uh, got to do a couple events, uh, hospital visit with Stefan Diggs with Vikings territories. So it's been fun. It's been a fun ride. Uh, lately I've kind of focused more on the salary cap, uh, which is, like I said, where my interest mainly lies. And so I'm really excited to kind of get going in that, um, in that avenue of football. Fair enough. Yeah. That's, that was one thing I wanted to know was kind of when you got your start with Vikings territory. And then, I mean, now I know your focus is kind of, I mean, you write about different things. Obviously I remember, uh, you know, you were just mentioning, uh, the Tampa Bay game. And I remember reading your piece about that, uh, but obviously, you know, the numbers, right? And so that makes sense. If you get the sports management, you get the economics. And then so that that certainly makes some sense. And so do you then foresee as you kind of keep chipping away at this that you'll, I don't know if I want to say specialize, but you kind of focus in on this maybe more so as kind of your main thing that you hang your hat on? Is that what you foresee for yourself? I, I do in a way. Um, you know, you kind of search for a while for your identity as yeah. a writer. Yeah. Um, and that's that's tough on a lot of young writers, including myself. So once I found that, it, I really felt like I fit into the salary cap. And I've been lucky enough to reach out to guys, you know, like Brad Spielberger with Pro Football Focus and Ken Ingalls with the uh, with uh, the Packers. He studies the Packers salary cap of all teams. But uh, they've been really helpful as far as helping teach me salary cap stuff and I've been actually looking at the CBA, which I never thought I'd actually like read the CBA, but uh, it's uh, it's really interesting when uh, when you put it all together and once things start making sense, it's uh, it's actually pretty cool. Cool. Okay. Well, it's it's interesting. I mean, you mentioned Spielberger. We're going to ask you about 
you know, that interview, which is published over in Vikings territory. So folks who are listening, who are interested in that can definitely hop over to, uh, to see Sean's article, but hopefully we can get a few of those insights in a moment. Sam, do you want anything before uh, you hit us with second down? Yeah, no, I just, I was curious if you, you know, one of the questions we were curious about is if you've always been a Vikings fan um, mm. or, and what your, your background with this, this team is and how, how you've been tracking with them over the, the, the years, the, the good and the bad. <laughs> yeah, I love that question. Thanks for asking that. I, I, yeah, I've 100% always been a Vikings fan. Um, I was young. When I was young, I was actually interested in being a sports writer. And I uh, got a chance to job shadow Steve Ashburner, who's actually a writer. I believe he's with Sports Illustrated now. He was a longtime Timberwolves writer. And so I got to go sit with him courtside at the game. And the reason I bring that up is you have to, as a writer, as a sports writer, you have to be kind of even keeled and not one-sided. And that's always been actually pretty tough for me because I've always been such a Homer Vikings fan. So that's another reason going into the salary cap is probably good for me so I can focus on other teams as well and not just the Vikings. But uh, 100% Vikings, I bleed purple, um, hate the Packers, you know, from a football sense. But uh, yeah, definitely Minnesota through and through as far as fo- as far as football goes. Do you? I know I don't. I know you guys, you and Kyle are just meeting. But do you hate the Saints as much as as Kyle does too, or like where <laughs> where the Saints are in terms of ranking with the Viking or with the uh, with the Packers? Uh, not up to the Packers for me. But the whole cheating scandal. I mean, how can I not bug you just as a fan of football in general? You know, that's exactly. Uh, so that definitely bugs me. Uh, they're one of my more hated teams, but, uh, yeah, not quite to the Packers okay. standpoint. This is good. This is, <laughs> they, well, you're our first guest that's actually a Vikings fan through and through. So it's, it's oh, wow. fun. It'll be, it'll be fun for you and Cal to go back and forth and to see the differences and, and that. And so that's, uh, that's fun. But we do want to transition and talk about the, the cap and yeah, like much has been made about, the Vikings salary cap and especially with the COVID cap and the curveball that that's all been overall, like how do you personally feel about how things look for, for Minnesota's finances? Overall, um, I feel pretty solid. Um, it's, there's a lot, there's so much that's a dependent, uh, especially this year and kind of a down cap year uh, as well as the quarterbacks, you know, contract his cap hit going up. So overall, I would just say in general, I feel pretty good about it. There's a lot of wiggle room uh, that the Vikings have just in case they need it. They're probably not going to go out and make a big splash in free agency. You're not going to go out and get a J.J. Watt, for example, most likely. Uh, And some of those, even like the top 50, 100 free agents could be tough for the Vikings to afford. Uh, But I could, on the flip side, I could see them making a couple mid-tier splashes. Uh, and we, we could talk about some specific guys in a little bit, but, uh, yeah, it's not the end of the world by any means. The cap could be better, uh, in order to bring in some better help around Kirk Cousins, um, as well as the defense, which is going to need help. But, uh, yeah, they're, um, I could see them going into this offseason similar to last year, you know, spent with 10, 15 million in cap room that they could spend in free agency. Uh, you obviously have to account for the draft class as well, but uh, yeah, it's uh, a lot depends on quite a few moves coming up here pretty shortly. So it's kind of an exciting time as far as the Vikings and the salary cap. 
You know, that's fair. And I, you know, I, I, I'm like you. I, I think a lot of Vikings fans right now are a little bit doom and gloom when it comes to the finances. And a lot of times that gets put at Kirk Cousins' feet, which I don't think is, I mean, it isn't, to say, he is well compensated. Like he, he does have a big contract, but I don't think that's necessarily uh, all on him. Uh, now, like yourself, I'm seeing some wiggle room. Again, I don't think they're going to go and get the big fish necessarily. Uh, it'd be shocking if, you know, Chris Godwin comes to town or, you know, something like that, or you mentioned JJ Watt or whoever, some big time, really tier one player. But if, maybe before we even get to those free agents, you know, if you put your, your general manager cap on, you look at this team, you know, kind of some of those big ones, the Riley Reefs, perhaps the Kyle Rudolphs, et cetera, et cetera. You know, who stays, who goes, who gets restructured, uh, kind of where do you think the Vikings kind of get creative with the money and, and, and free up a little bit of flexibility for themselves? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the way I see it, I kind of try to take a look at the roster as a whole. I, I love roster building. I think it's good to take a step back every once in a while and just see what you've got. So, I mean, what in general do you think the Vikings would try to do this offseason, what would be like their plan is kind of how I think of it. And for like the 10th year in a row, you want to bolster the offensive line. You want to get better in the trenches, you know, and unfortunately they don't have a whole lot of room to go out and get, you know, a, a Joe Thune or a Brandon Scherf. They could, but that's like all your budget basically. Uh, so it's, it'll be a little tricky. Um, as far as specific guys, I do see, guys like Kyle Rudolph and Shamar Stefan as guys that could most likely be cut. Yeah. Um, re- um, as far as Stefan, he's a little redundant with Michael Pierce. They're both run stopping defensive tackles. Um, and Rudolph, you've got Irv Smith coming up and uh, it's, that's kind of whole, whole another story. I, I was a little upset to see the Vikings not utilize him better with, with Irv Smith jr. Uh, like Gronk, Aaron Hernandez is an example that keeps coming up for me. Uh, those guys are both close to a thousand yards receiving at one point for the Patriots. And with the Vikings, you get about 300 yards each out of Rudolph and Irv Smith, which is, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world, but they could have been utilized better in my opinion. So that's a reason why I think you're okay. Letting go of Rudolph, uh, getting that cap back, start and featuring Er Smith Jr., who looks to be a possible superstar in a couple of years uh, in the NFL. So those are two guys I see probably being cut even maybe even before the league year uh, on the 17th. Um, and as far as guys you could extend to open up some cap space, I, I think Harrison Smith is a guy you could look at extending maybe to a two, three-year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not going to open up a lot of cap space. Um, just because he'll probably make close to what he's making now, uh, 10, 11, 12 million a year. Um, but you could probably get creative with the contract structure, backload it and get some money right away. So get a couple million, um, saved on the cap there. You mentioned Riley Reef. I think he's a good one as well. I think his cap hits about 15, 14, 15 this year. So you could extend him and get probably a similar deal actually to Harrison Smith, two, three year extension backloaded, maybe even incentive-lative uh, deal um, that you could, you know, uh, give to him, which would open up some cap space as well. 
so yeah, the biggest questions for me uh, on the offense would be Riley Reef, and yeah. on defense would be what they do with Daniil Hunter, which is uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, I we're kind of all in the dark, you know. Based on we haven't really heard anything besides that tweet from Ian Rapoport a while back, right. where his agent said he wanted to be the highest paid player. Uh, defensive player in the NFL, so that's it. Remains to be seen what will happen there. Uh, I know I talked to Brad Spielberger about that. There is a way that they could extend him and probably even lower his cap this year, which I I, I hesitate to do because he's got three years left on his deal, and he's got coming off a neck injury. Um, but like Brad Spielberger said, it's a precedent thing, but at the yeah. same time, he's he's deserving of it. So. Uh, I think in the, looking at the cap, it would be a good way to kind of settle that whole thing for now. Just get it over with. You're paying Daniel Hunter big money, which he should be paid anyway. And then you don't have to worry about it for the next five years. Uh, right. So I think that would be a good thing to do as well. Uh, I'm kind of running on here, but as far as restructures, I look at guys like Anthony Barr, uh, Adam Thielen, and Eric Kendricks, who you could all restructure um, and open up, I, I think with with Barr and Thielen, you can open up a little over $7 million a piece by restructuring those guys, which is considerable cap room. Yeah, uh, You're going to have to pay for it down the road, but uh, Kendricks, you'd open up about five. So those are restructures that they could use if they need to. So there's a, quite a bit of wiggle room for the Vikings if they need it. Um, and those are just some examples of what I would do personally. Fair enough. And I think like you know, Barney Kendricks, like those are Zimmer guys, you know what I mean? Thielen, like he is just a Minnesota Viking through and through. So to me, and, and these guys are still, I mean, I would certainly Kendricks is elite. Thielen is borderline elite. I would probably say Barr is really good, not quite elite, but you know, these are guys who are in the prime of their career, excellent football players. It certainly makes sense to say, you know, we're going to do some stuff, shuffle some money now because we're reasonably confident that in one, two, three years, you're still going to be good players for us. Thielen's a touch older, so perhaps it's a little different for him. And maybe you don't want to go too crazy because he is, you know, north of 30. But uh, that certainly makes sense. But if we could return to Hunter, I mean, so I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's 26. So he's mid-20s. You know, in essence, the prime of his career, now it's tough and then he's coming off that big neck injury. And, like, you know, as far as elite defensive ends, elite edge rushers, you know, Hunter's towards the top of the list. And I think his number is relatively modest. I mean, it's just such a tricky situation. I mean, would you have, and it's impossible to know, but would you have any sense or any best guess in terms of, what the Vikings will do here, how they should proceed here, given that, you know, there's still three years left. He's coming off the major injury, and yet he's in the prime of his career at an elite position. You know what I mean? And you saw what the defensive line looked like without him. So it's not like he, you know, he's obviously extremely important for this roster. So is there some sort of middle ground, perhaps offering more guarantees, perhaps offering more incentives? What do you think is a reasonable move here in terms of trying to keep Hunter in Minnesota, uh, but then still kind of navigating this very difficult cap situation. 
Yeah, it's a great question and one that I talked to Brad Spielberger about, and I hate to steal his answer, but I think I'm going to just because I think it's kind of the middle grounds that you were talking about. Um, the way he described it is you extend him this year, this offseason before the year, and you pay him, you drop his base salary all the way down to the minimum and give him a pretty big signing bonus, which is spread out throughout the length of the extension. I assume they probably do a five-year extension. So you could, you know, give a, a prorated cap at each of those years. And essentially you don't make him the highest paid defensive player in the NFL, mainly because of the reasons that we talked about before. He's coming off a kind of a major injury, a neck injury, which is never really considered a light injury in the NFL. Um, and he's under contract for three more years. You know, it was him and his agent who agreed to sign the original deal. So it's it's not the Vikings' fault. You know, they did – maybe it was considered a good-faith move or good-faith uh, negotiating on their move to extend him that early. Uh, but looking back, they got, they got a good deal. So long story short, I think they could still extend him, not make him the most expensive player, defensive player in the NFL, but come in maybe around 20, 22, 23 million a year, uh, you're not going to be paid like $27 million a year just because mm-hmm. of the reasons we talked about. And I think if you put in enough incentives in there, you could have him be okay with the contract. Because, right. you know, him and his agent have to know that, th- these facts as well, too, you know? So. Certainly. Yeah, so certainly that's, that's fair. Yeah, that's what I would do. Uh, that way he's still a Minnesota Viking for five more years. He's paid in the upper echelon of NFL edge defenders, top five. So I think that's a, a win-win for both sides. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and if we were to flip over to, you know, you already talked with him a little bit, uh, Riley Reef. I mean, I'm, I think like a lot of Vikings fans, and I really don't feel comfortable about cutting him because who are we to kind of get cute on the offensive line? You know, if we have a solid player, who are we to say, you know, get out of town right so I, I i don't want i think he's a, he's a good player he's not a great elite tackle but he's a, he's a solid player and so the vikings actually just gave him you know they renegotiated to give him a one million dollar bonus that money that he missed out on because of missing week 17 due to covid um you know the vikings give him that one million how do you interpret that i mean if they if their full intent was i'm, I'm looking at that and saying if their full intent was to cut him well, they're not going to do this kind of good faith move and try and build goodwill. Does is this does this one million bonus? Do you understand this as foreshadowing, kind of a restructure, an extension, something to? Hey, we want to work with you. We want to keep you uh, because you're a solid part of our team, and we value what you bring to our offensive line. How how do you interpret that move? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100. percent That's that's how I see it. Uh, the $1 million that they gave him, you know, it should have been earned last year, uh, a playing incentive, playing time incentive for starting all 16 games or, or snap percentage. I forget which one, but uh, either way, the cap, the $1 million will hit the cap this year. So hundred percent, I think it's a good faith move to say, like you said, we want to work with you this year. Uh, we value you and what you bring to the offensive line and the offensive line room. He's a great, uh, locker room presence from all accounts. Uh, he's a captain. 
and he leads by example. So I think he's a guy that you want to have around uh, for at least a couple more years uh, while you develop Brian O'Neill, uh, Garrett Bradbury, and whoever you bring in guard this year. So I think uh, I think he's definitely somebody that they want to keep around for a, a couple more years. Um, as far as an extension goes, I haven't really thought too much about that. Uh, I think his cap hit will probably come down for sure this year. Uh, if they do extend him uh, from uh, about 15 this year. Um, but I could, from what I've heard, actually, they could be doing like a two, three year incentive laden deal um, where if he reaches all these um, playing time marks or what have you, uh, he could earn more money based off those incentives. So um, maybe looking at like a cap around eight, nine million, you know, he is getting a little bit older, uh, but I think that's a pretty reasonable number, uh, maybe 10. I think 10 would be fair. Cause like you said, he's still a good tackle and he could maybe get that on the open market. Um, maybe not this year, but uh, yeah, somewhere I think 10 is probably you're looking at about the max, but uh, somewhere eight, Nine, ten million, I think, uh, would be reasonable for him. Sure, sure, that's fair enough. Uh, and I, yeah, I think that number is a bit of a sweet spot. I think. Um, so maybe I'm going to hit you with one question, uh, not as rambly. In one sense, it's quite a simple, straightforward question, but it might be difficult to answer. And then I'll <laughs> hand you off to Sam. Sure. But it's just simply this: Does Kirk Cousins justify the money? Does he justify his contract? I love that question. Um, it's it's so interesting from so many different perspectives, you know, from what you see with your eyes, from a salary cap perspective. Um, you're going to get a lot of different answers depending on who you ask and how you ask and, you know, kind of what perspective they see it. Um, the way I see it from the salary cap perspective, he's he's not worth the money. And I don't mean that. I don't mean any disrespect at all. Uh, he's a, he's an asset in my eyes. Um, he's a good quarterback, but he's not, he's not, uh, his role is not, I guess, worthy of the contract that he's receiving. Mm-hmm. And that's not really on him. You know, that's kind of on the Vikings. Um, he's kind of second fiddle to Delvin cook right now on the offense. And uh, for somebody that you feature, um, or somebody that you don't feature, I should say, um, it's hard to justify him paying him 31 million uh, this upcoming season and then 45 million next season. So uh, I don't think he's ultimately worth it. Um, he's a good quarterback, you know, top 12 probably in the league, probably good enough to win a Super Bowl in in my opinion. Um, but he's got to have things perfect around him. Um, so yeah, I guess that's how I'd answer that question. Totally fair. I, I appreciate the nuance in the conversation that sometimes lacks nuance. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> fair sure. enough. Sam, what do you got? Well, yeah, no, I was just saying it's good to have someone that, that provides a different perspective because I know we've, I think that sometimes we, we've definitely taken the stance of, of advocating for, for cousins. And I think that sometimes you do that, especially when you hear a lot of negativity. Um, but I, I think that everything you say is definitely not, we definitely don't have a rebuttal to that it, it all makes a lot of sense and especially when you look ahead um that's a big number to swallow for a guy that uh like I, I i feel like you could probably put him at the tail end of a top 10 quarterback maybe falls into the the early teens there in the nfl um 
but yeah, it is, it is big money. And so glad to hear your perspective on that. Uh, Kyle, I'm actually, Kyle, can I ask you your thoughts on how you feel about that? Yeah, I, so my, um, certainly. So like the 45 million is extravagant. Now that, that, that to me is an extravagant number. And, um, uh, gosh, what's his name? A Lombardi with the athletic. He was a, he was a oh, former yeah. NFL executive. Michael he, Lombardi. He, that's right. He, he made the point when in one of his articles a while ago where he said it, a team doesn't get in trouble when you pay. When a team pays elite money for an elite player, that's perfectly fine. A team doesn't get in trouble for that. A team gets in trouble when they pay elite money to a good player or a bad player. That, that's when there's the discrepancy between that salary and the on-field performance. So, I mean... Am I upset if uh, the Vikings were to pay Patrick Mahomes $45 million? No, I'm thrilled because he's, he is the best. Uh, so to me, 31 this season, I think to me is a perfectly reasonable number within the context of the NFL. Um, $45 million next year to me is not reasonable. Um, and when I saw that extension, my first thought was – that there's kind of a maybe an unwritten expectation and belief that both sides will seek to, to rework this and restructure this before. Um, now, again, it's within a different context. The, the belief was that we would probably be around 210 million this year with, with the salary cap. And then in 2022, it'd probably be 215, 220. You know what I mean? Like it, it's that dollar is different in that context than in this context, but my, I have no issue at all with this year. Next year, I feel nervous. Um, but my belief is that both sides will be interested in doing something. The only real question for me then is, will they play enough or will they play well enough to still be around? Because I don't think, I think Spielman and Zim are both in the hot seat. And if this team goes seven to nine again, uh, I don't think they're coming back. And so, and then now, and now things get very interesting because Cousins is, you know, he's their guy, right? Like they, they brought him in and they've kind of hitched their wagon to Cousins. And so uh, it's just going to be a very, I have no problem this year, but it's just going to be very fascinating after this year. And it'll be very fascinating if they don't play well, I think. Then now we have quite an interesting situation. Yeah, agree 100%. Yeah. A quick question then on that, because we're, we're on it and, and we'll, yeah. we might as well go with it then. Seeing what the trades have been like this summer for quarterbacks um, with Stafford and then Wentz, like, in your opinion then, is this potentially a time to move Cousins? Oh, I'm like, so glad you asked that. Because I, like, I <laughs> maybe – like. It, it's, it feels a little bit like it's kind of like a now or like if you're, if you're stuck with him next off season, like that's a whole lot different than, than moving him now. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I'm so glad you asked that Sam. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's definitely worth monitoring right now uh, because before, once you hit March 20th, that's 35 million guaranteed next year. So if you're going to trade him, it's got to be in the next month. So I think it's definitely worth bearing considering or worth monitoring considering the deals that we've already seen go down uh, with Goff, Stafford, uh, now Wentz. Uh, so if you look at a team like the San Francisco 49ers, who, you know, obviously we 
that's been well, well talked about the history with Shanahan. If they make the Vikings an offer that's too good to refuse, kind of like the Diggs deal last year, I think you can justify a trade of Kirk Cousins this offseason before the de- before that uh, trigger deadline. So it's worth monitoring. Will it happen? I don't know. Um, but, you know, as the old saying goes, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. So there, it could happen. I know all the experts are saying it probably won't happen, but that's kind of the safe answer. Um, I, I don't want to say it will happen, but I, like I said, it's worth monitoring because this is the time to do it. Like you said, if, if they don't do it this season, Sam, what, they're going to have to work out an extension next year. And what if he has another kind of mediocre year this year? That's like, why are you sticking with him? You know, so with, with the way his contract is structured, you, you can't release him after you, that $35 million trigger, uh, unless you want a 45 million in dead cap. So definitely worth monitoring. I think uh, if they could get a one multiple ones, it's, it's a no brainer. Um, but if you could get a one and some change, it might be worth considering just because of the cap space. You're going to free up not only this year, but in years down the road where you can, really help a young quarterback if you were to draft one this year uh, by putting pieces around him and really um, building up the roster around him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm still figuring out the NFL cap a little bit, but I know that there is obviously dead money that would stay on, but say they were to move him. You're saying by that deadline in March, the only dead cap that would stay would be for this upcoming year correct or would they have to worry about that contract in years following so would it would be a 20 million dollar dead cap hit for this year and then 10 for next year okay which is is really not that bad in the grand scheme of things the eagles are paying carson wentz 34 million (laughs) to play for the colts this year so that kind of puts things in perspective a little bit so when you look at 30 million dead cap it's obviously not great but you uh I don't know. You really open things up in the future and uh, open up a lot more possibilities as far as roster building goes. Yeah. I, uh, I want to pull up my calculator quick to figure out the percentage of the cap there, but that's like over 15% of your cap uh, in, uh, in a guy that's not playing for your team. That, that, that <laughs> yeah. hurts. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was surprised to see the Eagles do that, but uh, you know, it's the Eagles. They need some cap space and man, they had a rough year, Yeah, which I really didn't mind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it is looking around at other teams. Like I think that from this conversation, you realize that while it doesn't look great financially, there's a lot of teams that are worse off. And that always is a comforting thing. I think as a fan. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, we did want to ask you a little bit about free agent and free agent fits. And I know we've talked a little bit about it. Is there anyone you see that you're like, Oh, that would be a really good option for the Vikings. Yeah, there's a couple guys. Um, it really depends on what position you're looking at, but the guys that stick out to me the most are actually guys that are on teams that are kind of projected to be released. Um, so I'll start with those guys. I really like Kevin Zietler. Um, Zietler's Zietler, I actually don't know how you pronounce his name, but uh, he's a guard, a right guard uh, for the New York Giants. He's a former... Wisconsin grad 
so kind of a hometown area kid um and he's got a mean streak which which i love for any football player but specifically guard because the vikings are really lacking that especially in in the past uh, blocking department so I, I like kevin zeeler he could be somewhat affordable if he does hit free agency um on the flip side on the defensive line the same goes for geno atkins uh from cincinnati Still don't know if either of those guys are going to be free agents yet, um, but it's looking like they will be. And I think you could get them at quite a pretty big discount um, considering what they made uh, in years past. So, And considering the market, there's only a handful of teams that really have a ton of cap space. Um, so I think the market for guys like that is going to be l- lower than it typically would. I'll put it that way. So I like those two guys as far as bulking up the offensive and defensive lines. Um, there's some more value options, <clears throat> excuse me, that might be a little more affordable. Um, we just had Nick Easton released not too long ago from the Saints. I think he could be brought back for pretty cheap. I don't see a huge market for him. Uh, and also guys like, uh, again, on the defensive line, switching again, I think Ndamukong Sue. Don't know if he'll be available. The Bucks might want to re-sign him, but he could be a pretty good option. He's getting up there in age. I think he's 34. Um, but his, I saw his uh, market value is only like $7 million. So that could be something that the Vikings could look at. Uh, as well as, I saw you guys actually wrote an article on this guy, Shelby Harris, I think could be a, a pretty good value pick as well. He he might have played well enough to to make things close as far as the Vikings being able to afford him. Uh, but I see him being an option as well. Um, I, one position that I think the Vikings could really benefit from that's not really talked about a whole lot is actually veteran cornerback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could, and I, again, I'm kind of stealing Brad Spielberger's idea, but uh, William Jackson III from Cincinnati is a guy that I really like. He's uh, He's a little bit up there in age. He's 29. Um, but he's going to be a free agent, uh, you know, barring a, a re-signing with uh, Cincinnati. Um, but, yeah, I really like the veteran presence that he would bring, give the Vikings two solid outside corners in Dantzler and Jackson. You could push Mike Hughes to a different role, maybe, because you can't really count on him to produce this year, right, yeah. with the neck injury, so you don't yeah. know what you're going to get. Uh, and then Gladney is a full-time slot, which I think he would benefit from just playing one position. So that's, um, yeah, there's a few guys I like there. Um, for me personally, I really like Atkins and, and uh, Zietler, Zietler. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, but I, and I, I agree. I mean, Atkins would be a dream in my mind. I mean, I know he's not, he's a little bit older, but he'd just be an excellent fit. But I also like what you're saying in too with, with corner, I mean, the Vikings just kind of stubbornly refused to sign a veteran last offseason when it just seemed like so reasonable. And you had different options that could have been had for relatively modest deals, and they just instead opted to choose uh, youth. And, you know, it, you know it, it makes some sense. Like, I don't think it was completely unreasonable, but it just – it just didn't work out. Uh, so you bringing up corner there, I think, makes some sense. And I think with all the issues with both the lines, maybe corner has gotten overshadowed a little. And, and I see the value 
uh, certainly in, in bringing in a steady vet who could uh, just, you know, frankly, just be a solid starter. Um, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. But if I can hit you, so I'm going to ask you, I got two questions for you here. Rick Spielman calls you up. Somehow he tracks, tracks down Sean's phone number. Say, hey, Sean, this is Spielman. You know, I'm super stressed out, dude. You know, this whole stuff with the Vikings and the money, it's just crazy stressful. I only have enough money to sign an impact three technique offensive guard or returner in special teams. I can only sign one. There's just not enough money to sign all three. Who am I, who am I going to sign, Sean? What, what am I doing here? I like that question. Um, I mean, you and me both being Vikings fans, die hard for a long time. It's been so frustrating to watch the guards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, and, and I've, I understand it um, to a certain extent. They're trying to go cheaper in that, in, in that position, and uh, yeah. maybe rightfully so. Uh, you don't want to really overpay a guard. Uh, but I think they've really, throughout the last couple of years, it's really um, proven to be a pretty important position if you're going to work the way the Vikings offense does. So I think I think I would go that route just because you have a couple guys coming back on the defensive line that should help in Pierce and Hunter, uh, three-tech, you can maybe look to the draft to fill if you're just going to go with the one free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and special teams is just not as big of a, a factor as it has been in the past. Uh, as much as the Vikings need help there, uh, I think um, you could really get the most out of your money, really, by picking up a guard and really protecting Kirk Cousins and helping Delvin Cook in the run game. I think that's what I would go if I had to pick between the three. Really, just see what you have, you know? Like, will you just protect Kirk Cousins once? And just see what can happen, you know? Yeah, that's certainly fair. That's certainly fair. He could so, really even take his game to the next level. Who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, he's got elite offensive weapons. The skill players are excellent. Um, and he has all kinds of ability. But that line in front of him is just so shaky. And yep. uh, particularly along the interior. So I, I mean, I, I think I'd probably choose the three tech um, just cause I, I played D line. I love D line. I started cheering for this team because of Kevin and Pat Williams. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So like, I, I think that's my own bias, but man, having elite offensive guards, Steve Hutchinson style, just like tremendous play would be, I, I'd just be so thrilled uh, to, to see that. So I can, can certainly understand that perspective. Yeah, that's definitely my choice number two. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) The one other question I have for you here then is, because a lot of our talk now has been external, right? And certainly the Vikings will be pursuing and, and, you know, flirting with and negotiating with external free agents and that kind of thing. But from within, you know, our own team, you know, who is a free agent or maybe even an RFA uh, that the Vikings should prioritize bringing back? Um, or, you know, would it be reasonable to bring them back? Because maybe it's not reasonable to bring Anthony Harris back. Perhaps it's too expensive. So who would you look at and say, yeah, this makes sense. This should be something the Vikings pursue. Yeah, that's a 
pretty good. Um, that's a good question. And it's a pretty interesting answer. If, if you ask me, um, cause when I look at the list of free agents, I'm doing that now, uh, you, you, Best free agents are Anthony Harris uh, and Eric Wilson, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, they played, you know, 95% of the snaps, if not more. Um, the only other one being Dakota Dozier, who I don't think uh, is a priority to bring back uh, at all as a starter, maybe as a backup. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as Anthony Harris and Eric Wilson goes, um, I don't think you really need to bring either of them back. Uh, simply because I think they're going to be too expensive on the open market. Um, Anthony Harris got the franchise tag last year, which may or may not have been a mistake uh, in hindsight. Um, maybe not because he played so well up to that, uh, but he really had a down year last year. A lot of that was bad luck. A lot of that was uh, a new role with the young, with the younger cornerbacks. And as we talked about having absolutely no pass rush, uh, so it's not entirely his fault, but I really think the safety position is not one that you need to pay a whole lot of money to in the Mike Zimmer defense. Um, and it's tough because I looked at free agent safeties and there's not a whole, there's a lot of options, but there's not a whole lot of good ones. Um, but I think you can get a whole lot of value from a cheaper safety uh, mm-hmm. who can make plays mm-hmm. um, similar to what Anthony Harris did before the franchise tag year uh, mm-hmm. last year. So I think uh, Harris, you, you could probably replace with a cheaper option and get a whole lot more value from a cheaper guy. Um, Eric Wilson is almost a little redundant because um, you got Anthony Barr coming back. You got Kendricks and those two linebackers are on the field almost a hundred percent of the time. Whereas the third linebacker, they don't utilize that often. Um, it may, it's maybe 50% or so at the most that they're, they're not in a nickel defense. Um, I could be wrong there, but regardless, they're not playing a hundred percent of the snaps. So I think a guy like a Todd Davis or, uh, even yeah. a Troy die, or yeah. he's a rookie last year that was forced to play a little bit more than, uh, the coaches wanted him to. Um, but I think they're going to be okay there. Uh, just plugging into somebody, um, even a Cameron Smith coming back, hopefully, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully he'll see some playing time. And uh, so I think they're okay letting both of them go. Cause I think they're going to make some decent money in the, on the open market. Um, so uh, getting back to your original question, I don't think there's anybody that they need to prioritize bringing back from the entire free agent list, um, which is rare uh, yeah. for the Vikings to say um, they're all good uh, backups, the rest of them. Um, but they could probably all be, honestly, you could probably bring every single one of them back on a minimum deal. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think they could probably do and probably should do, uh, if they're able to. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Sam, what do you got for Sean before we, we, uh, send him off here? Yeah. Just wanted to wrap up and I think kind of ask a question while also trying to figure out if I'm, capturing all that you're you're thinking and saying and I know we talked a little bit about JJ Watt earlier and obviously he would be a dream um in in many ways obviously when you give a lot of money to someone and they don't pan out then that would just be absolute disaster um but from your perspective it seems like and maybe correct me if I'm wrong 
but that they're really hoping to sign several guys because they have several holes to fill at some good value contracts um, and hoping that that whether those guys play above what they're paying or or maybe have some guys internally that that take that next step. Um, that seems to be the the ideal situation. Yeah, it, I mean, that's more, I guess, my opinion. Um, we saw what they did last year with Michael Pierce. They spent most of their budget on him and that it wasn't their fault, but it just didn't work out because he opted out, um, which I don't blame him for at all. But I like, I don't know if you guys follow Sam Ekstrom um, or not, but he, he's now with Purple Insider with Matthew uh, Collar. But I really like his idea of finding multiple free agents at an affordable level who can fill those roles rather than going out and splurging on one guy. Um, so I think that's the better way to go. That's better to spread out your money. Um, it's kind of like draft picks. You don't want to like trade all your draft picks, you know, into the first round for that one guy. You want to spread it out, take multiple shots at it in case somebody doesn't pan out, like you said. So, I mean, Watt would be super cool. He would fit perfectly, I think, as a 4-3 D end and rushing from the the inside on third down. But uh, I don't know how realistic that is. It, I mean, how cool would it be? But uh, I, I think that as far as the philosophy goes, I think they're better off going that route. Um, I know we talked about cornerback, you know, going like a William Jackson. He's going to cost a lot. So I guess that's a little bit kind of splurging on one guy. But if you open up some cap room, I think you could really spread it around too and really bolster the lines where their focus should be. Because um, the alternative to not getting a guy like Jackson is paying a, a few corners like a Jason Verrett, uh, Dark. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Darquez Denard, Darquez Denard, as uh, another guy you could you could go this route and pick up a couple guys on one year minimum or cheap deals, and that's another option as well. But um, I think uh, spreading it out is probably the way to go. Long story short. Yeah, yeah. Like if it if it's similar to what I've seen in other leagues. Um, the big guys get paid the big money, no matter what the circumstances are in terms of finances. Um, but then some of those middle guys and, and those lower end guys sometimes get squeezed and it feels like there's a better chance for some value there. Um, yeah. Versus, versus, yeah, paying a guy big money. And, and I, I don't say that JJ Watt would be a flop. I just know there's been some injury concerns there. And I, I'm a huge JJ Watt fan. So that would be a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> it would bring a lot of, of energy, but it does feel like where the Vikings are at and with the holes that, that saw this year and just the way that hoping for the team to go that, that your, your approach feels like the wise, wise direction. Yeah. It, it might not be the most fun or the most splashy, but it's probably the most prudent and most uh, r- responsible uh, way to go. I guess I would call it. So it's, yeah. uh, it's probably what I would do if I was, if I was running things, but luckily I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Responsibility sometimes is boring, but it's, uh, <laughs> right? it's, it's wise. It's like you, you, uh, there's a reason why, why there's many of us that are fans and not, not management. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, Sean, we want to thank you so much for coming on notes from the North. So our listeners can find your writing on Vikings territory. And you're also on Twitter at Sean Borman NFL, anywhere else our listeners should know about or anything else you want to plug. No, that yeah, that's pretty much about it. Pretty much about it. I uh, yeah, 
I'm working on some things for Vikings territory, and you can find me on Twitter, like you said, at Sean Borman NFL. So I really appreciate you guys having me on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Thank you so much, Sean. Well, we'd like to thank Sean again for coming on. It was great to have another Vikings fan uh, to, to bounce ideas off of. And I think he brought some different perspective than, than what we come with. So that was, uh, yeah, that was fantastic. Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, like Sam was saying, you know, someone who covers the team and is passionate about the team and, uh, you know, kind of give uh, some good nuance to some of the topics that we've talked about. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. And I, I think that, I found the Kirk Cousins conversation particularly interesting. And I think that my perspective changes a little bit, especially when, when Sean started to talk about the salary cap implications and, and looking forward, I think it's easy to want to be all in on this year. And it's always important to focus on what's ahead of you, but, or in front of you right now. But I think it also is wise to be thinking about years down the road because um, yeah, you don't want to be in trouble as a franchise um, later on. Totally fair. I mean, it's got to be, and that's management. I mean, the coaches need to be all in on right now, but the upper management, the front office needs to have, you know, kind of a foot in both worlds where we're, we're prioritizing the right now, but we're also cognizant of what's coming down the pipe after 2021. And so certainly, and then, I mean, and then that's when you're talking about salary cap stuff, right. And the, and the finances. And so certainly it makes sense that, you know, this season is a priority, but, so two are the other ones as well. So, yeah, yeah, good. Well, moving into our odds and ends here, we uh, want to talk about the Minnesota Wild. And last time we we talked, they were postponed due to COVID issues, and they hadn't played since uh, February second. They got back exactly two weeks later, playing their first game on on Tuesday against the Kings, getting uh, I don't want to say shellacked, but they they lost pretty bad, four nothing, and. Uh, and unsurprisingly, they look like a team that hadn't played for two weeks. Um, but they've followed up with two good wins against Anaheim. And right now they're sitting sixth. But again, if you look at points percentage, things change. Um, they, they would actually move into that fourth spot. Um, so so things are looking up. They, they did miss some games against some of the top guys, top teams in the division. And so it'll be interesting to see what that looks like uh, moving forward. But uh, regardless, they're, they're still... They're still there. Uh, the one thing I did want to talk about, and it actually relates well since we're talking more about uh, the wild or sorry, talking about football and, and actually talking about JJ Watt. Uh, Watt had a tweet. I don't know, Kyle, if you saw it, but he said something along the lines of this free agency stuff is wild. Um, and the Minnesota wild actually retweeted that and had Photoshopped him in a, a Jersey of the Minnesota wild. Um, and, uh, so he's got pitches now from, from multiple leagues, uh, to, to come and, and JJ Watt actually has a little bit of, of skill. There's some videos of him on the internet playing hockey. Um, but my question that I wanted to ask Kyle with, with no prep was if you could think of a player, preferably on the Vite or yeah, preferably on the Vikings that, um, you could see being a crossover athlete, uh, particularly hockey, but, but maybe if, uh, if it's not hockey, maybe it's it's something else. But if there's if there's one guy that you're like, man, it'd be fun to to watch him play um, a, a different that's, sport. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, JJ Watt's such a gifted athlete, so he could probably just do anything he wanted. To my my mind goes to 
Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, you know, the guys with great feet who are super quick, super balanced, and could, you know, those are just, you know, transferable athletic attributes, right? Just explosion, balance, being able to get in and out of cuts. That's going to serve you well in basketball, in hockey, in tennis, in all kinds of different sports. And so that, to me, I would maybe pick one of those offensive skill guys, maybe a Thielen or a Jefferson, as someone who could make that switch relatively relatively easily, not easily, but relatively easily, just because they're so gifted athletically. Um, that, that, to me, that, to me, makes some sense. Yeah. No, I, I feel like that's definitely a thing. And obviously the hockey is a little bit different yeah, uh, than than football and and the skating, they say like it's just a, it's a whole different thing. And so I'm not obviously saying that they're gonna the jump right in, but um, yeah, I, I thought of Jefferson when when I was thinking about the question. So that's uh, that's neat. Anyways, well, let's hear uh, hear some words of wisdom. Yeah, the words of wisdom this week. I was um, I was thinking of of what to say, and I was uh, looking at Hebrews 11 actually, which is kind of a famous chapter in the New Testament. It's kind of colloquially known as the Hall of Faith because you have the author of Hebrews referencing all these great figures within our, our faith tradition uh, and kind of briefly recounting what they did and how they proceeded by faith. And uh, so, you know, Abraham and Moses and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, down the line. He's basically, you know, since you have such a great crowd of witnesses, therefore, proceed in this manner therefore conduct yourselves in this manner this is the tradition that you find yourself in therefore and so the vikings are a team that has you know we've never gotten that championship but we have this tremendous history of elite talent some elite teams some great players uh so let's cast off uh some of those things that are hindering us and holding us back look to this really what is a rich history and rich tradition and uh, proceed to the finish line and, and try and get this thing done uh, this year. That's, that's my, that's my, uh, my pitch here. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, we want to thank everyone for listening and, and also just want um, to just really extend a sincere thanks for people that have been listening up to this point. It's been a lot of fun to do this and, and we've been figuring stuff out and I know, I'm figuring out stuff with uh, with sound and and got a mic now, and we're 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 really really having a lot of fun, and, and would love to hear from people if they have any thoughts, any any uh, suggestions, good good uh, critical um, yeah feedback. Nothing nothing too critical. We are sensitive, um, but we we would love to to hear from people and hear even uh, what people are enjoying. Um, you can always reach out to to Kyle on on Twitter and and we uh, yeah we just want to continue getting better. But yeah, thanks for listening to to this episode and and just want to thank uh, Sean again. Uh, be sure to stop by VikingsGazette.com for great Minnesota Vikings news, commentary, and analysis. And the Vikings Gazette can be found on Twitter and Facebook now at Vikings Gazette. And I personally can be found on Twitter at Sam Allison. 98. Thanks so much for listening and we will talk with you in a couple weeks.